Welcome to Five Star Weekly, everyone. Miguel Almiron has made his debut with Newcastle. Atlanta United have played a few more preseason friendlies. And later on, we are joined by a very special guest that you will absolutely recognize from the Atlanta United broadcast team. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Shot Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. And we've already had a few more friendlies since our last pod, and that first one was that 6-1 drubbing against Cholos. And uh, yeah, I mean, we look good. Uh, I think giving that one goal up was uh, worrying a little bit to me, but you know, six we still scored six. Yeah, so always looks day. good. Uh, you know, Jose Martinez with a hat trick. Yeah, uh, that's typical. Know, Pity with a little brace. Uh, you know, it ain't too bad. Pity out here and Barco out here, you know, nutmegging souls out of people's bodies. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the thing is that it's just the way that we're playing. I mean, uh -huh. it's still preseason, but you can tell that they're playing in a different style. They're playing a lot more aggressive, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about what this attack can do for us this season because mm -hmm. We've scored a lot of goals, but how we're playing right now, it is preseason, it's just a friendly, but we might be scoring even more than before. Right, I mean, we just look fluid. The uh, the possession was immense. Uh, Barco really just blasting the game. And it's There's that one play where he has, I mean, we'll, I think we should put it on screen as well. It's just like, he gets at the ball, does a turn, does a little shimmy, nutmegs the guy thing. Oh. oh, it's just, if that if that is what is going to happen with him this year, I was already excited and we've already talked about <laughs> what he can do for this team in this system. Mm -hmm. But if that's just a taster, I mean, oh, yes. there's going to be a lot of really upset and destroyed careers when you play against Atlanta United this year because there will be no pity, no pun intended, yeah. on those that come in front of our guys. Yeah, I think we've said this before. There might be a lot of uh, 11v9 type of matches uh, because there's going to be a lot of frustrated guys that are going to be taking down our players, namely Barco, namely Pitsy. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the other match that didn't end as well. It was a 2-2 draw against LAFC, and uh, that second half, ooh, just not good. Didn't seem all that good uh, because, well, you know, this is a blinded kind of uh, you know kind of match thing that we just we weren't able just to found watch. the highlights out after they happened. Right, but uh, yeah, we saw those highlights and those two goals that we conceded. Uh, oh not my God. the best. This let uh, just Velo waltz right in. It was horrible. Just Awful. Yeah, it, it was it was not <laughs> ideal. Also, friendly positives from that game. Yeah. Um, Pity Martinez can hit the hell out of a free kick. Oh my god. Um, the so yeah, I mean, beautiful. and Barco he can already hit them. He didn't have a lot of opportunities last season. But you have a right footer and a left footer who can both hit them. Everyone knows that you know Kratz is the man on free kicks, but you kind of already have that on the pitch now, which just yes. adds another dimension to Atlanta on his attack, where these guys who will be drawing fouls. Teams have to know they cannot foul them in and around the 18-yard box because, well, they can just put it in the back of the net off of a set piece. Yeah. So that's just another just level to Atlanta's attack that teams really didn't want to see us add. No, definitely not. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, move on from those friendlies. And uh, also, yes, there is one more against LA Galaxy on Wednesday. You'll probably be watching this uh, maybe as it's happening or it's already happened. But, uh, and that's at 3 p.m. Eastern time. But, uh, and I think that's also not a match that we can watch again. Then, you know, it is what it is. It's in preparation for Herediano. As long as we I show up against Herediano and take care of business, <laughs> I will not care. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, some quotes from training camp. Let's get into some of that. Uh, Miles Robinson feels more comfortable uh, with this. Uh, this staff he's at, playing at a whole heck of a lot more yeah, that's for certain he's uh, he's getting uh, you know the selected in that starting 11 in the middle of that 
back three. That's good stuff. Uh, that I mean, you know, I think uh, it bodes well for his future because yeah, he was that first round pick. That yeah, I mean, I think we should see him live uh, live up to his his promise. But uh, he said it helps how Frank DeBoer and his staff have faith and confidence in me. I felt that from day one. So that's always encouraging. When you have a coaching staff that has faith in you, you will automatically play better, more confident. That's how I've been playing. Potential shots at Tata Martino? Potential shots, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those where, you know, he was left out a lot of uh, a lot of matches, but he also started playing in some of the more crucial matches, uh, notably the away, I think, uh, uh, Red Bulls match in the playoffs. And, you know, I think pretty critical pretty cool, critical games down the stretch so I think yeah uh, he was always that stuff. late sub you kind of expected to see brought right. on and it's like oh he'll be brought on the didn't game work out against FC Dallas yeah, not talking but, about that Dallas game in the yeah. end didn't matter because we won MLS Cup but yeah I yeah. think he's a player who I think mm-hmm. everyone sees the athletic ability and the potential right. there and the board, he's making he's strides just, he's just an incredible coach of young talent so mm-hmm. if he was to have a coach that could help him develop his game and take that next step and become a very solid center back whether it be here at Atlanta United or even eventually maybe moving on as mm-hmm. every player's goal is to a bigger and better you know team outside of this league this is the perfect coach for him to do that. When you play for Frank DeBoer, the sky's the limit. Whatever you put in to your work, whatever you put into training, you'll get out of it. So right. I think for players like that, for players like him, he knows he's going to get his opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he's working with, well, a world-class center back who can teach him a thing or two as well. Right. And uh, we'll kind of uh, go through these other ones without actually uh, reading the quotes. But Breck Shea pretty much talks about how he loves playing with Barco, with Joseph, with PT because of just those one-twos, the, uh, the style in which they play like he's been missing that at the previous teams that he's played at I mean well look where he's played before here exactly you have a Vancouver and then that team in Florida yeah so you know a very defensive type of minded team so yeah this is a breath of fresh air for him and I think uh, you know we might see a big season from Breck Shea I just I'd love to see him score a winner at that team in Florida (laughs) in their house because let's be honest everyone would really enjoy that especially Will Johnson oh yeah uh, but uh, Joseph Martinez also talked about his relationship with Miguel Amiron, that it's a little bit different than uh, his relationship with PT. Because, well, I mean, yeah, they haven't really had that much time together, really, but he still, you know, uh, Pity is finding him on the pitch already, and uh, I mean, he's, what, at, had six goals and three assists or whatever it is, two assists maybe, but yeah, either way, he is bossing this preseason. Yeah, I mean, it's Joseph Martinez. Yeah. He was getting good service before. He'll continue to get good service from P.D. Martinez. You know, I think everyone's hoping for the Martinez brothers because, well, there'd be yes. a lot of, like, Mario shirts with them kind of subbed in instead. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest, the, the memes and gifts are already creating themselves. Right. But, you know, he talks about how Miguel Almiron was like a brother to him. But, you know, now he's playing with an incredibly talented player in P.T. Martinez right. who is going to offer him a different type of service and a different type of player. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it might suit him even more to his mm-hmm. play style because P.T. is going to draw even more defenders because of how he plays. And he's going to be even better in those tight spaces or in those games that are a little bit slower where speed isn't necessarily the most yes. important factor. He can play slow and still absolutely mm-hmm. take teams apart and still get the ball to Joseph. So... 
is it hard to say or hard to believe that Joseph may score even more goals than last season? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's that poaching type of striker as well, and so he might feast a lot on one of those maybe long shots that PT has during the match. Well, and he then, has a freaking rocket of a yeah, leg, so yeah. I don't see many keepers in MLS being able to hold on the ball if he True. hits it on target. Right, right. Maybe it might deflect or something, and then that's where Joseph can really, you know, uh, feast on all of that. But um, speaking of Miggy, though, you know, it was a very interesting little... Uh, situation that was uh, kind of post all of the uh, transfer saga, but Darren Eels uh, really mentioned He's waiting that, finally. Yeah, he's, he's waiting finally. Uh, we're all, I think, waiting on Miguel Miron. Maybe maybe he doesn't really need to. Probably. I don't think he needs to take but, it. <laughs> if but, he uh, says anything, he either makes it look bad on him, the fans, or yeah. it just anything that comes from him might strain his relationship. Let's just go with his agent is a waste man, and yes. he's awesome. Right. But uh, yeah, Darren Eels did mention like pretty much the negotiations were hard between uh, Atlanta United and Newcastle United. Um, I mean, it was like he was firm about the, the evaluation that he wanted and he wasn't sure that Mike Ashley would actually pony up. And we were very adamant finally, about that on yeah, the show. Finally Me. did. Yes. And, uh, and so it was uh, something that uh, he was, you know, louding that, yeah, uh, it was fair from Newcastle that they, you know, were giving a hard negotiation back, but, uh, I think in the end, every party got what they wanted, and I think, you know, if you're, besides Daniel Campo, everyone has what they want. <laughs> everyone seems really happy, and Miguel Amaral made his debut against Wolves on Monday night. Unfortunately, they had a very bad keeping error that cost them the three points, and they only got one, but... He was very, very good when he yeah, came on the he pitch. He was vibrant. They, their fans are, the Newcastle fans already love him. If yeah. there's any watching, we told you he works hard and that you love him immediately. Yeah. We saw the song that you yes. already uh, sang him, the da 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 da, Miguel Miron. Uh, very descriptive right. song. I know, right? Yeah. But uh, yes, he's great. incredible. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing him make his first start in about yeah. 10 days' time against Huddersfield at home. Uh -huh. I think he will absolutely contribute a goal, whether it be an assist or scoring one himself at some point right. in time in that match, mostly because Huddersfield are dreadful. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw some of those comments where they were maybe saying, oh, was Miguel Miron just. Uh, you know, a pacey guy going at tired legs and he's fresh legs coming in. I mean, I think you'll really see from the off what he can really offer. And yeah, I mean, he, he does he's it fast for the entire regardless. 90. Whether it's fresh yeah. legs or tired legs, he's he's fast. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But uh, moving on from that, let's talk about that Nagby rumor where, yes, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a guy that... You, uh, it's like a favorite guy that. Uh, oh yeah, I was, I was very, very upbeat. Uh, I was excited when he came in when the news was announced that he mm -hmm. had signed. I didn't believe it, you know, the whole private jet thing, right. first class treatment all the way around, and he's a very good player. I thought uh -huh. he did well for Atlanta last season, despite maybe not putting up the goal and assist numbers that people wanted. Didn't score a goal, mm -hmm. very little assists, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's one of those. But yeah, it's just he one of those things. Yeah, he didn't fill up the the stat he book. He was still but. an incredibly important player. When he was not there, it was uh -huh. noticeable that he was missing yeah. his ability on the ball and to control a game and his passing ability is mm -hmm. very good. And I thought he would be a player that would fit well into Frank DeBoer's system. Yes, but it seems that he would like to have a move. To Columbus Crew, to Columbus Crew sure. which is difficult because obviously they're a direct rival of us. We play them; they're in our conference, mm -hmm. and it's I mean, tough. I mean, it's yeah. understandable. It's close to home for him, right? So I yeah, get it. there's some good reasons, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, Caleb About Porter. As good as you can get. Yeah, Caleb Porter, his coach at uh, you know his university at 
Portland Timbers where he won a trophy. I mean, yes, you know, he's very close with this guy. Uh, and then you have, yeah, Columbus, uh, you know, uh, where Ohio, his home state. Um, I mean, it's just one of those, like, a lot of, you know, very familial ties are calling. And so I understand from that standpoint. Yeah. And there's new ownership and a new optimism yeah. and sense of hope around the franchise right. to be a part of that. And again, yeah, to, you know it's staying to be part of something close to where you're from. Mm -hmm. I, I get it. I, I think it's not ideal for this to be happening right now for Atlanta United. I think they would have rather been able to take care of this a while back and get yes. this all sorted out. Because right think, before CCL, this is yeah, terrible Yeah, I think the timing. timing is really poor. I mean, it no. doesn't put the club in a very good position because right. do you trade him and lose a very quality player to a direct opponent when you have mm -hmm. a lot of games at the beginning of the season that you need to play? Mm -hmm. Do you wait and trade him later in the season when you maybe have gotten through this patch, but mm -hmm. now you could be strengthening a rival midseason to help them make that next push? to chase a playoff spot or an MLS Cup? Mm -hmm. Or alternatively, do you say, you know what, we love you, work hard for a year, you can walk on a free at the end of the year, you can mm -hmm. join Columbus when this year's over, but we need you right now. There's a lot of things that this team can do. None of them are really ideal, to be perfectly honest right. with you. But uh, what we do know is that he hasn't been training with the first team and he won't be training in California. And uh, so he's pretty much just kind of there. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. hanging out in Target with Parky yeah, and, and exactly. Van. You know, buying all, uh, I don't know, uh, electronics stuff. Of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. when you're at Target, you pretty much end up with a whole shopping cart full of things. So yeah. it's just what happens. Probably but, just dad stuff, to be honest. <laughs> probably. But uh, I mean, it'll be just very interesting what happens with Dunnington Nagby yes. coming up soon. Because it's just, it's a very I think, vital guy. I think that we'll find and, out. So I think that that decision will be made relatively quickly, to be perfectly right. honest with you. It because has to. Yeah. It has to. Because you aren't going to go into the season with that question mark hanging over your head because he's either going to be here and be a part of this team because you need him or he will not be here. I right. mean, there's one or the other. And, and I if he's already being held out, it seems like probably some he'll sort of probably deal some sort of deal has been put in place. And if it is, I mean, we traded a lot of allocation money for him. I imagine we'll be getting, even though he's in the last year of his contract, I believe, you're still going to get a very hefty chunk of allocation money. I imagine we'll be after an international slot as well. Yeah, I mean, um, that's what you aim for. That's what you aim for. But with this club and negotiating, stuff. I feel good about that. And again, you don't have to trade him. So it's like... Yes, it's not ideal, but there's a business to be run. It's a club to be run. And if you aren't getting a good enough deal from Columbus, either they give it to you or you look at Nagby and go, you're valuable, you're a very good player, and they're not giving us enough. As a professional, I think he would understand that and go, mm -hmm. well, they're not giving you enough. And I, I don't think Atlanta would demand something unreasonable for him and mm -hmm. for his services because he's won you a title. He's a good guy. Mm -hmm. He's not one of the types of guys that you're going to hold hostage. But at the same time, we're not going to be walked over and we're yeah, not going to let them just offer us something that's not worth our time. Exactly. We're not just going to give him away for free unless we have to give him away unless he free, walks. But, unless he yeah. walks for free. But if he walks for free after another good season, yeah. I'm fine with that. Right. So it is what it is. Again, yeah. I have complete faith and trust in our front office. But well, we'll see. I mean, I think our gut feeling is he's probably going to go. But um, speaking on players who yeah. have gone. <laughs> yes, it is Chris McCann, and he has been waived by the team. And I think rumor is is that he has caught on with DC United. United. Yep. Yeah, and that's interesting. Oh, he has caught on with DC United. In fact, he has. In fact, he has, has uh, according to our stat man. And so, perfect uh, timing there. That uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a guy, yes, uh, a lot of the fan base were not super high on, of course. Uh, but he did a job when a lot of guys were out. We pretty much went through our entire depth of left backs. 
Um, and he was almost a kind of a revelation at left back, I think we have to recognize. And so he kind of saved our season a little bit, even if there were those lumps, because it wasn't his actual natural position. But, uh, you know, a guy that... He contributed and he helped yeah, us win an MLS Exactly. Cup. So at the end of the day... You wish him well. I mean, you wish him well, although he's with DC. I mean... We'll talk more about that whenever we play DC in a few I think time. so, yeah, indeed, indeed. But uh, let's move on to Atlanta United 2, and they finalized their technical staff. Uh, they brought in head coach Stephen Glass, who comes in from under the uh, the academy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he brought in Henry Apolu and Ricardo Oliveira. Uh, and it's guys that will really uh, kind of, you know, uh, the, the outline of what Glass wants to do is a very serious thing. Like he wants to, uh, you know, top down from uh, DeBoer really kind of mirror the image of what is being done on top. So there you go. From the first team to the second team, I think it's, uh, it's, it's that transition higher. point that we've been yeah. talking about for so long, and it's something that we we've touched on that we were really excited about when DeBoer, you know, was hired. Is that you would have that you know continuation from the academy to Atlanta to to the first team so that you're learning the style of play and you'll be comfortable playing in these positions, understanding how the system is supposed to work so that the transition between academy and eventually first team is much smoother for those players who are good enough to make that jump. So for me, I'm excited. I think Atlanta 2 will be a lot different this year as opposed to what it was last season. Hopefully, I think they're gonna aim for a bit more roster continuity yeah. as much as they can and also playing within a style that's consistent throughout the yeah. season. So even if they don't have those guys, They'll be playing academy guys in those same roles. Still be getting those minutes. So yeah. they might not win a lot of games still, but you know how they want to play. Mm -hmm. And the education part of it is very important. And I think they'll still be getting that. Right. And speaking of that education, a big part of uh, just Georgia soccer, uh, Tony Annan has been inducted into the Georgia Soccer Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Well deserved. I mean, he brought up guys through Georgia United. The guys like Andrew Carlson, George Bello, Chris Goslin, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those guys, not much more is need to be said. It's a guy that, uh, yeah, just uh, is a big part of Atlanta United history, so. Yeah. Um, On those uh, a yeah. little bit more quicker talking points, yeah. guys, we might be getting an Atlanta United license plate. Ooh. It's officially been put in, I think, has it been passed or it's been a No, it's been introduced. It's been yeah. introduced. So I think all of us would like that, and there would be a lot of them on the road. I know I would be going down to get one, regardless of how much it costs, although it's probably a lot with how things go with cars here. Right. But I'd still be getting one as soon as I could to put it on the back. Yeah. Although whether or not it comes with a star, who knows? Know. We, we hope so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you saw the likes of Atlanta United Unleashed uh, put out a uh, kind of Mach 1, what they would put, F-K-O-S-S-C, uh, yeah, there we go. OCSC, sorry, rather. Anyway, so uh, yeah, you can kind of guess what that means. Yeah. But yeah, that's super fun. I think there will be a lot of uh, very tongue-in-cheek things. On yeah, those a lot plates, of a lot but... of puns and a lot of jokes <laughs> at teams at their expense. Exactly. Maybe like something about Will Johnson. I don't know. Right. But uh, let's get into some of uh, the team initiation stuff. This that was, was some interesting videos. Very interesting. Uh, so from Joseph Martinez's uh, IG live. Uh, yeah, I mean you see. Players like Amir Bashti kind of have to stand and sing in front of everybody. You see, yeah, I, this is the one. Anderson Asiedu, I mean, I don't know what's going on here, man, but, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, he's pretty much asked his age, and... I don't know how often I've forgotten my age, but maybe he just got really nervous standing in front of the whole team. But everybody wows out, and it's... They seem to be having scenes. a good time. Yeah. And then uh, Florentine Pogba doing what Pogba's doing and yeah. busting some sweet moves. I cannot dance like that. I wish I could. <laughs> 
I am not that gifted, nor am I that confident in my dancing ability to pull off some stuff like that. But if he's dancing like that, I can only imagine what he will do if he scores a goal. Indeed, and uh, I think both Asiedu and Pogba, I mean, you can see that infectious energy already. It's just like, I mean, if you were worried about the, the team culture inside the locker room, you have a lot of guys that put smiles on faces. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. There's lots of smiling, probably even more dancing. Uh, it's just, this team's fun in every right. which way, man. Whether yeah. it be on social media or on the pitch, they're just fun to watch. And as yeah. a fan, that just can only make you feel good things. Right. But speaking of smiles, man, we're killing it with the transitions today. Oh, yeah. uh, Miggy and his smiling in this uh, oh, Atlanta United kit. Oh, man. Uh, whoops. There's something about saying that these things would leak. Yep. And uh, they almost always leak. And, it, you know, if you see it on, uh, you know, any of the social media, I mean, and you're mad about it, I'm sorry. It's it just is what, what it is. happens how it to works. every team. Yeah. And uh, this one was uh, leaked by his father. Um, yeah. So it was. it is what it is. But yeah. I think it looks good on Miggy. Yeah, it does look good on Miggy. Five stripes great on Miggy. have always looked good on Miggy. Yeah, so. Or however many stripes it is at this point in right. time. Exactly. Uh, yeah, those things kind of crazy. I think they even went on sale briefly in like an Adidas outlet or something. Yeah. Some moron put them on sale there. They probably right. got a uh, verbal lashing, I would imagine. I would imagine. But yes. we will all be able to get our hands on them starting this week because we know the kit launch is on Friday. So, guys, we hope to see you at that. He won't be there, but me and the rest of the, well, most of the Atlanta Fan TV crew will be. So, we are looking to see you there on Friday. Indeed. It'll be my birthday, but, uh, you know, say hi to these guys in my steed. And, you know, definitely uh, we'll be there to cover it all for you guys. And up next, we'll be joined by a familiar face from the Atlanta United broadcasting world. He's known as the soccer historian of Atlanta. He's the host of the great podcast, Soccer Down Here. And he's the color analyst of 92.9 for Atlanta United Broadcast. It's the incomparable Jason Longshore. Thanks for joining us. Hola. What's up? Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? Good, good. Getting ready for the season. Getting yeah. ready for uh, seven games potentially in the first month. It's going to be Been a doing a lot of homework. Getting up early, staying up late, studying up on Herediano, studying right. up on D.C., Cincinnati, who we haven't even seen yet. So it's a lot of stuff. Right. And especially, yeah, Greg Garza, who's already in FC Cincinnati kit. It's very weird to see already. It's a little odd. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, and he's, like, leading all the, like, uh, social media charge. It's just, okay, it's really bizarre for me. But <laughs> I'm still hoping he's just not fit for that game against yeah, Atlanta. Right. Yeah, it seems like he probably will be. It's going to be one of those things. But, uh, it, you know, I think a lot of us uh, were very, very, um, you know, we're glad to see Miggy make his debut against uh, the Wolves for Newcastle United on Monday. And uh, I think you were able to watch that match. What did you think of his performance? It looked like he was trying to make an impression. I mean, that's yeah. for sure. It looked like he was trying to do about 57 different things all at once, which he's capable of doing sometimes. And we right. know that spark that he brings to a game. Mm -hmm. Newcastle needs that in a big way right now. And you could see a lift when he came on. Mm -hmm. um, I think the fans fell in love with him. Immediately. I think you could see that in their reaction at a lot of fan yeah. channels and everything. I know that uh, Jay was retweeting a bunch of stuff about, uh, I think it was Toon something. Yeah, the Toon Network. The, the Toon Network, yeah. 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 Uh -huh. And that guy was talking about how, you know, immediately Miggy's coming on, he's shouting at players, telling them to mark up. He doesn't even speak English, but he's already, you know, telling people where to go, demanding the ball, saying where he wants the ball. I mean, we as soon as he gets fouled, we know he's going to go down and, you know, the guy's probably going to get booked because that's just what we're used to seeing. Right. But like you said, they need him and he has to start in their next match uh, yeah. against Huddersfield at home. I mean, that's a match for him just with how bad Huddersfield are. 
that's a perfect match for him to really get that first start, get his feet wet, and I really expect him to contribute goals for them right off the bat when he starts. Yeah, I don't know about goals, but I think he'll contribute two goals. Yes. If he's not scoring them himself, I mean, you know, he's got another Venezuelan forward to build a connection mm -hmm. with in Rondon. I think that'll be a, a good partnership. Huddersfield is a big one for them. If they get three points there, they should feel pretty good. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. think they should feel fairly safe at that point, and that's mm -hmm. three points you got to take. Yeah, because yeah. they were in uh, 17th place before they uh, played the Wolves. They got the yeah. draw. Now, I mean, I think they're still kind of in the same they're whereabouts. Okay. It's it's you just know? so crowded right. from, what, 18 up to about 13. Yeah. Three points makes a huge difference. Right. So, and they're this, is, this is one you got to yeah. take. For, right. for them, I mean, I mm -hmm. think they're so frustrated because they were right there with three points. If you would have told them going into Wolves, they would have gotten a point. And this is a Wolves team that has taken points off Man City at home. They've won, I think, nine of their last 14. They've taken points on the road against Spurs. You tell them you're going to get a point at Wolves, they'll be very happy with that. It's just that <laughs> the you, fashion see, when they did it, you yeah. see a goalkeeping error that for all the people that wanted to just batter MLS. Punch when he made the, the ball. Yeah. When, he, when they, they batter MLS, you know, when he makes a goalkeeping Keepers aren't very good. His goals just don't matter because they're not very good. And then the first game he's there, you have a goalkeeping error that everyone's just like, just punch, like you said, just punch the ball. So you're already past the stoppage time allotment. You know that's probably the last touch. Just punch it into the third row. Just get it out of there. The thing I watched this game, I mean, I've, I've watched a good bit of the Premier League this year. You know, people say like, oh, MLS players, there's going to be such a big difference. It's going to be such a big adjustment. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, Miguel Almiron looked like one of the best players on the field yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. In, in his limited time, he looked like the player that we saw here in Atlanta. It's not as big of a jump as people make it out to be. Obviously, your Manchester City, your Liverpool, your top, top teams are, are the best. Yeah. And still but probably beyond, miles above, but yeah. Yeah, but beyond that, I mean, it's not that big of a difference. It's really not. I think that's getting overplayed. And hopefully, this type of move and others that are going to come in the future are going to break that down a bit. Well, I think what suits Miggy so well with this move is the fact that the Premier League is pay played at such a pace yeah. that he already naturally has. He He's going to be one of the quickest players in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. And you need to have that with that up and down, you know, kind of game type that you get. And he will be able to create those chances for Newcastle because he worked so hard as well. And I yeah. think Newcastle fans saw that immediately yesterday that he's going to track back. He's going to help defend. And he will also make that run immediately and try to, you know, break for them and create something. So I'm, I'm really, you know, hopeful about what he can do in the Premier League. I hope that he can help. I think they'll be fine anyway in Newcastle because there's about five teams competing for one relegation They spot. have enough quality. Hutter, they should and be Fulham okay. are going down, and they have the best manager out of all the teams yeah. competing for that. So I, I feel comfortable with them, which is good because I really want to see what he can do with the full season in the Premier League. Yeah. Again, his pace is fine. The physicality part, he won't really be going in the middle, middle of the park where you have a guy like maybe like a Pogba me being a United fan or a Matic, big guys that patrol the middle of the, the park and really get into those small guys. He's not going to do that. He's smart enough. He's going to get in those spaces yeah. where he knows but he can operate. We saw him in MLS go against big guys, and he, he he's not afraid of that. I think, like you say, he's smart enough to deal with it. He's smart enough to draw them in, and he's quicker than anybody in the league. I think he, he could be the fastest player in the league. What, what I think is interesting, you hit on a good point. So Almiron's a perfect fit for the Premier League with his mm -hmm. pace. And a lot of people wondered about it because of the size, but it's the pace. Mm -hmm. He can play at that pace. I wonder about the next guys who might potentially go to Europe, like a, a oh. Piti Martinez, like an Ezekiel Barco. Mm -hmm. They're not the same type of player. They're not Premier League guys. They could be. I, I'm not as sure of that, though. I think mm -hmm. Piti Martinez is a player with the quality he could play anywhere he wants, mm -hmm. but he's a little more suited to a different league, maybe. A La Liga type player or a 
Syria type. Yeah, thing. I think those are two easy ones. I think Miguel would have been outstanding in Syria as oh, well. Absolutely. I think, I think he tactically. Those, yeah, I agree. I think tactically he would have been a perfect fit for Syria. I think pace he would have been a good fit for Germany as well. Mm -hmm. But England's where the money is. Absolutely. I think a guy like Barco and Pitti, you want to see how they handle the physicality here in MLS. Mm -hmm. If they can transcend MLS like Miguel did. And then where's the money going to be for them and where's the right fit going to be? So do you think having been, like for, especially for an Ezekiel Barco, who had so much, honestly I'd say more pressure than the Pizzi Martinez because he was younger, he hadn't really accomplished as much. Yes, he, won he was first. Yes, yeah. he won the Coke Suda Americana. He mm -hmm. was first. Having trained with Miguel and seeing that, and now seeing Miguel make that transition by being around him, do you think that makes it a little bit easier for them to understand what they have to do to get to that level? Yeah, absolutely. I think Barco came here for this opportunity and... You know, I'm pretty sure because everything that, that I heard off the field last year was that Miguel really took Barco under his wing and really looked out for him a lot. And we saw a lot of the Instagram and social media mm -hmm. posts with Joseph doing the same. Right. It's all together. about bringing him in. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I would be pretty sure that Miguel and Ezekiel had a pretty long conversation before Miguel went to England. Mm -hmm. And I think you're seeing it. You know, what we saw in that match against Cholos, yeah. you're seeing a different level of Barco right now. That turn he put on where he Oh, it just the turn. I mean, it was three turn, moves. The yeah. moves he put I was almost laughing when we got the replay of it. Right. It's like, oh, he does this. Oh, then he does this. Oh, then he nutmegs this guy. And unfortunately, it's like the grainiest video possible of just like probably the best play in that yeah. match. And it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, let, let's get into that match where okay. you were able to call it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those, yes, it's a very, you know, kind of shiny scoreline, 6-1, uh, looks good. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those, um, yeah, like, should we glean too much from this type of match, or is it something that, you know, we should uh, just kind of write it off like, okay, that was a good performance against a kind of uh, very young side where there's triple digits in numbers. And yeah, and it's a friendly. Yeah, and it's a yeah. Friendly. right off the scoreline. I don't think the scoreline really matters here, but you can't write off the quality that, mm -hmm. that Atlanta played with, and you can't write off the way they played either. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the key that you take out of this is, it's different. It's not dramatically different. It's not some complete reinvention of what Atlanta United is going to look like. Mm -hmm. it, it is that evolution, not revolution, that was talked about when DeBoer was hired. But 3-4-3 and the way they played it, it, it is a little different. And it's going to mm -hmm. put more pressure on certain aspects of the way Atlanta plays. I think you're going to have to see a Miles Robinson step up. Mm -hmm. And he was in the middle of the three in the back. It's very surprising. I found yeah. that very interesting. <laughs> well, it's it's different. I mean, you think back to the last team that probably a lot of people saw play 3-4-3 um, at this type of level. And you're talking Chelsea under mm -hmm. Antonio Conte when right. they won the league. They played a very similar type of shape to what Atlanta did against Cholos. And mm -hmm. that's no guarantee Atlanta plays that all season. Right. Um, it could be something they use against certain teams. But... To see the center of the three center backs be the player that you would probably say is the weakest on the ball mm -hmm. is different. Usually that is your guy like a Franz Beckenbauer who's going to step into midfield mm -hmm. as needed. The way DeBoer played it with LGP and Parkhurst on either side, both of them could go and either one could go at the same time. Yeah. And that makes it even more difficult for the opposition to deal with. Mm -hmm. Then you have Miles operating as a sweeper in a different right. kind of way with his athleticism. His athleticism yeah, yeah it was, I mean, he had a couple great plays. It was really interesting the way that part broke down. And then to see Remedi and Lorenowitz in front of them, mm -hmm. just two central midfielders by themselves most of the time, and your front three 
are completely free outside of Joseph's going to stay central. Front three, do what you want. Right. Go figure it out. And you're going to have help with your wingbacks coming up. It's really difficult to deal with when it's hitting on all cylinders. But if you turn the ball over when your wingbacks go, you're going to have a lot of four on threes, three on twos. So it's going to be different, but fun. I think something that's interesting is with Robinson playing in that central role and seeing Parkhurst on the right, is that possibly a position where you could see him begin to get phased out a little bit when, say, an Escobar is fit? Because, like you're speaking of, when the ball is lost, Parkhurst has a notable lack of pace. He, right. he makes up for his lack of pace with his intelligence, his positioning, mm -hmm. and just knowing where to be. In that role on the right side of a back three, he will be put into that space more, mm -hmm. kind of like we saw with Lorenowitz last year. Is that a position you could see him, you know, him not playing as many minutes and then Escobar maybe stepping into that role and kind of seeing that phase out of, of Parker's beginning? It's possible. I mean, the questions you look at center back right now, and you're talking LGP, I think, is going to play as much as he can. Mm -hmm. uh, Robinson's going to play a, a good bit this year, I would think. Um, you have Parkhurst, you have Escobar, is he going to play in the middle or is he going to play on the right? You have Florentine Pogba as well, mm -hmm. where's he going to factor in? We don't really know yet. So how do the minutes get divided up? I don't know. Um, let's just talk about that first seven games, and this is assuming you get past Herediano. Mm -hmm. You're talking about seven games from February 21st to March 17th. You're going to be playing, you know, Two games a week. That's somewhat September, October 2017. Yeah, absolutely. Time right. the Ben site <laughs> nonsense. Right? Absolutely. We showed him we could do it, so yeah. Yeah, and, and you're going to want to do that by, one, controlling possession, because that's going to be a hallmark of this team going forward, mm -hmm. but you're going to have to rotate guys. Mm -hmm. And what's your first choice in the CONCACAF matches, and who's going to play in the MLS matches? Uh, the MLS matches, I think, are a good way to get Pogba up to speed because mm -hmm. he hasn't played competitively since what last may right so yeah. you need to ease him in you don't have to mm -hmm. rush that he can get those minutes in mls and those early games when you give lgp mm -hmm. a night off right mm -hmm. so the rotation is going to be interesting i think parkhurst plays a good bit and i think he plays in the big moments because mm -hmm. i think he's still that guy um but yeah i think there could be a little more rotation for him whether it's escobar coming in or robinson playing in that spot I think Robinson was a guy that I watched with the twos last year play both the middle and on the right side of a three. And he was comfortable doing both. Speaking Much better on the ball than, than he was at the beginning of last season. Speaking of that rotation, looking at the squad as it stands now, do you feel there's a particular area of the squad that may struggle to cope with the rotation where we might not have enough depth that you might have to have players play a bit more because we just don't have as much depth in that area that we'll kind of see hit a bit harder when those matches are coming, you know, quick the and fast. The right side defensively right now because of Escobar's injury. Um, mm -hmm. When is he going to be ready to get back into the field? Because right now it's Julian Gressel. Right. If you're playing either a line of four or three with a wing back, it's it's Julian as that position right now. I think John Gallagher is a guy who can play some minutes for you in MLS to start with. Mm -hmm. I think he's capable of doing more. I was really impressed with him as a wing back with the twos last year. Yeah. Which and was a, a lucky score. find. Well, he <laughs> was he was a forward to start. And then you, you literally go into a game because the twos, you know, you mm -hmm. have a, a small number of guys signed to contracts. You're bringing up academy guys. Mm -hmm. And you're bringing guys down from the first team. And the Salzizo injury made it difficult to get right. anybody over on the right side for the twos. Mm -hmm. You had, I think, Nat Nail McDonald from the academy who played a little bit, but he was injured at one point. And you went into a game and you had nobody to play on the right side. And I talked to Scott Donnelly about it. And he said he, he had a conversation with John and said, do you want to give this a go? And 
John was up for it, and it was one of those weeks where they had like a, a weekend game, a Wednesday, a weekend game. So it was going to be the same group for a few games, and it went well. Yeah. And it, then it, it went better the next time, and it went better the next time. Mm-hmm. And Scott said that the front office, Tata and and Carlos, sat down and they all talked about it and said, "We want to see more of this. Keep him there. Mm-hmm. Let's play him there." And I think he's going to play himself into more time with the first team in that spot this year, yeah. especially early. Would a, a player like Gordon Wild see some more time too? Because I mean, we saw in that reserve game it was Gallagher in the back, and then it was yep. Gordon Wild as that right wing back. I mean, what do you think? It's possible. I think Dion Pereira is another possibility. Right. Um, you're going to see some differences in the way this plays out, and and let's let's think about the way Pep Guardiola plays like three four three when he does it mm-hmm. against weaker opponents where he can control a game. He's more likely to play a winger in a defensive role mm-hmm. because it gives you another player who can play. So we well, saw that recently, going as extreme as playing Fernandinho against Arsenal as a center back because mm-hmm. he felt so comfortable with his team in possession that he's like, I can play an auxiliary midfielder. And it's kind of yep. how we see Jeff Lorenz play under how he's going to play under Tata, where he would slip back into a back three when mm-hmm. in possession. He felt comfortable playing a guy there that might not have been his position but he knew he was going to be so much better than the other teams. And if possession is your thing, you want another guy who can play in that role, and you know you're going to be able to dominate possession. They're not going to have to defend as much. Cincinnati is, is a prime example of that. You're, mm-hmm. you're playing them potentially in the middle of two games against Monterey. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to rotate. Your whole thing. So that's a game where you could see what we saw in that reserve game, where maybe it's Gallagher or Bello or both, or Ambrose, mm-hmm as center backs in that mm-hmm. and then you see you know a Gordon Wilde or a Dion Pereira as a right wing back mm-hmm. because you feel like this is a game we can do this this is a game that we have a better squad than they do well if Watson's playing though I, I fear for the back line though if uh <laughs> on set pieces yeah, yeah. exactly so I mean I, I hope it's not like a was it like I think five well, but eight see, then you have so, Pogba yeah. then you have Pogba yeah, to come yeah, in sure. and, and match up with Watson that'll be a fun one to watch oh gosh Sure, Dion sure. Pereira is actually a very interesting topic. Mm-hmm. I just want to touch on him briefly because I think he's a player that pretty much no one really knows anything about or where he will fit in with this team because of his age. Is he going to be a guy that will play mostly at ATU 2 this year or is he someone that we can expect to see a decent amount of minutes with the first team? Because he is a very young guy, which kind of fits the mold, but he's not really the traditional you know, South American. This is what we expect. He's a former you know, Watford East Player of the Year, mm-hmm. has a couple matches in the Premier League, and now he's here. It's not really a move that we've seen happen before, so what are we gonna expect from him? Where is he gonna play, and what kind of you know contributions would, would we think, or is it more of a, he's a player for the future, we don't expect a lot now? Um, I think he's gonna have an opportunity early, and it'll depend on what he does with it. I think in those early games, with so much match con- congestion, I think he's gonna get a chance to play some. Um, I wonder where it's going to be. I wonder if it's going to be some wing back, if it's going to be some winger, depending on what's needed. He's a, a player who's really good in the 1v1. Mm-hmm. And, and when you dig into the Dutch style and you look at what DeVore did at Ajax, those are the types of players that he prioritizes, 1v1 guys. And you want to get him in 1v1 situations. We saw it against Cal State Fullerton. He looked really good on the dribble with the ball at his feet. He's comfortable. So I would say he's going to play more minutes with the twos. But he could factor into some big moments where this mm-hmm. this fixture congestion is a problem. True. Uh, I think we also need to get to the LAFC game where we conceded to, and I think it kind of harkens back to my worry with the 6-1 score, the one in uh, the Cholos game, where 
yeah, Parkhurst looked a little bit out to sea uh, when it was the back post. It was the probably the you know communication between the whole entire back line mm-hmm. just seemed completely off. Uh, yes, it was probably the first iteration of them playing it in a match, but uh, I mean, they just waltz right through in the LAFC match. Does that worry you? Uh, transition will always be an issue, yeah. and, and that's the way this team's gonna play. They're they're going to commit numbers forward, yeah, and, and that's consistent. That's been consistent the mm-hmm. first two years too. So. You have to be switched on to, to transition defensively, and you're going to have those moments. The The trade-off that this team is going to have is they're going to have those six-goal games, those five-goal games where it's all clicking, and they just break the opposition. But there will be some times where it looks really bad defensively, but that's typical, I think, with top, top teams that are playing in this way, that are trying to not just win games but win with style right. and pose themselves on that yeah, yeah because you're playing on that edge so often and mm-hmm. and when you play on that edge whether it's a pressing team that plays on the edge that is mm-hmm. chasing everything and gets exposed or a team like this that's possession and you're working the ball forward and working your team forward mm-hmm. when you have a bad turnover in a bad spot you're gonna get exposed right so it, it will happen from time to time it's not something I would worry about in a, in a big sense that, right. oh, there's something wrong with the way the team plays. It's just going to happen. It's the, right. the second nature of this. Yeah. Does it seem like it's more going to be what uh, Darren Eels was talking about uh, when, we, you know, the inaugural season where it was going to be more like, a, you know, uh, 4-3 type of matches versus, you know, and so it, like it didn't actually happen with a Tata Martino probably as much. It was more much. 4-1 type of matches. Yeah, actually. exactly. Right. And so it might happen this time with uh, with Frank DeBoer, I mean. It's it's funny, I mean, I've been reading a lot about the, the possession style and teams that prioritize possession, and then you get the Jose Mourinho side where he's like, you know, the best way to play is to not have possession, because right. if you don't have the ball, you can't make a critical mistake that concedes a goal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't we don't understand. want that. I, we don't want I that. I don't understand the way that man says no, no. football. We I don't want don't. that. Well, it's evolved. I think he's broken. I, I think yes. Real Madrid broken. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Real Madrid breaks a lot. It's true. Though, so. It's true. I think they completely broke his spirit. <laughs> yeah, he looks a broken man. Although he's probably smiling for some reason today after that PSG Man editor. Oh, but probably. That being said, I full well know that had he still been in charge, they would have gotten pumped about 5 0. So yeah. I'm glad he's gone. But we want teams that are going to play like this team is going to play this year. I think it's going to be a good style. It's going to be a fun style to watch. It's going to be very attack minded, but attack minded through possession. Mm hmm. So, I mean, you look at DeBoer and, and his, you know, the, his touchstones, his mentors. Right. Johan Cruyff, we, we know three, what Johan... 3-4-3 Yeah, Cruyff went to the 3-4-3, which is even more aggressive than the 4-3-3, but also Louis van Hall. Mm-hmm. And, and that's who DeBoer played for, which was very organized. Yes. Tanner's right. Very familiar. But <laughs> if you combine both elements of it and you go back and watch Ajax... There's a lot of good things in both. And at Ajax, he played a lot of 4-3-3. But it looks like I'm really hopeful we see a lot of 3-4-3. Because we just haven't seen an MLS team commit to it. It's a very aggressive move that shows, I think, a lot of belief in his team. And do you Mm -hmm. think think he came in wanting to play 3-4-3? Or do you think he's come in, seen what he has, has made a look, he has looked around the league and gone, I think they're good enough to do this? Probably a little of both. I mean, I think he had a pretty good understanding of the talent he was going to have to work with. And when he got to see it firsthand, he's like, yeah, okay, this this actually this lives up to the advertisement here. This is going to be a lot of fun, and I can play in this way. For a manager like DeBoer, I think Tata you know, kind of liked this too. You come in, and MLS is a different kind of challenge because 
even Atlanta with the talent they have and the roster they have. They're not Manchester City versus Huddersfield. It's not that big of a gap. So managers have to show that ability. And I think DeBoer, coming in off of his last two jobs, he's got that chip on his shoulder that Bocanegra talked about. He wants to show that, look, I can come in to Major League Soccer and have a team play in a way that I I don't think an American team has played in, period. Which is interesting because when Tata came in and we kind of sort of that revolution already, it wasn't something that you saw a lot of teams playing with that style and that flair. And and again, the whole evolve, evolution, not revolution. And and now you're going to see that next step. And I guess my next question leading into that is, is this going to be... Obviously, there's a lot of fixture congestion early on, but do you see this as potentially a season where Atlanta could begin to separate itself from those other teams and begin to create that separation that you see in other leagues? Because we've had really good teams historically in MLS, but I think Atlanta United are kind of one of the first ones to say, this is our playing philosophy. This is the style of football we want to see. Is this kind of one of those moments coming off of a championship season where they could start saying, we're better than the rest of you, and we're going to show you that we're better than you. Yeah, I think they're going to try. I think they're going to try to do it with the way they play. And I think that's the first th- the first step, is to come out and, in a lot of ways, be what Pep Guardiola was when he went to Manchester City, and say, I'm going to play this way. It is the best way to play, and I'm going to show you. And he took his lumps the first year. I think that's something that people have to be aware of as yeah. well, is that there yeah. probably will be some matches where we're, like gonna we were, be, saying. Yeah, where yeah. we're going to be banging our heads against the wall going, yeah what's going on or players will make those errors you know building out of the back turning the ball over and it's like why are we doing this but with a manager like Pep Guardiola and I can imagine what Frank DeBoer as well he's very strong minded this is mm-hmm. the way he wants to play he's going to keep playing that way you know what I mean even if it's not working for him he's going to stick to his guns because he believes that is the best way forward he believes in the talent he has he believes it's the best way and he kind of does believe in changing the idea of how teams can play I think he wanted to do that at Crystal Palace. He didn't get the opportunity he didn't to. Backing either. Um, yeah, I think he wanted to enter. He didn't get the opportunity he didn't to. Backing either. Yeah. He did at Ajax because he came into Ajax when they were in a downspell, and he took them to four straight titles, which nobody's done. They haven't won a title since he left. Right. So he's shown that ability, and I think here he comes in to a good team, and he can take them to another level. Right. It's it's really exciting when you look at it because it's going. As much as we talked about Tata changing the way Atlanta United played and the way that MLS teams played, Tata evolved over his two years. Mm-hmm. You know, you went from a team that pressed a lot early mm-hmm. to a team that sat and tried to control possession where that was the right play. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was sit and we're going to defend and we're going to be scrappy. The way they won the the way they lifted the trophy was very different than the way they started in 2017. Definitely. That evolution was really interesting, but last year wanting to control more possession that leads right into this year where right. i think you're shooting for 60 percent possession every match yeah uh an interesting part of uh his time at ajax the, the last year in inter and crystal palace is him bringing on an orlando trustful as his right hand mm-hmm. man unfortunately there the spells of uh and the kind of record that you see is there like you know a correlation between orlando trustful and maybe the maybe I don't know, I don't want to say it too bad, but like maybe a slight slide in terms of the, the form of his teams, or do you think it's an aberration? I mean, yeah, coincidence? I think it's just a bad coincidence. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you bring him in because he's a guy from, with time in your academy at Ajax, he's a guy that has the same footballing philosophy as DeBoer, mm-hmm. so he's a good fit. 
I think Enter was a, just a train wreck to begin yeah. with. You had ownership issues. You had financial fair play issues. Yeah. Didn't have the players. I mean, I think that's well, one of he the took highlights. over in August too. Yeah, I mean, he had right. one preseason match before he, the season started. Yeah. I think it's one of the highlights of those last two stops is that he did not have the players he needed to play the type of football he wanted. Here at Atlanta United, they've already kind of had an education in it under Tata And they were Martino. heading in this direction. And they were heading in this right direction, now. so it's a natural progression for them. So, you know, kind of touching on natural progressions, getting into what we can really expect from this season, there's a lot of competitions. Mm -hmm. And we've seen MLS teams really struggle. Toronto last season, you know, same squad they won MLS Cup with, struggle and never fully recover because of how Champions League works. How do you, without you know, putting you on the spot too much, how do you see Atlanta United dealing with all these competitions this season? And where do you expect them to kind of be there, thereabouts, come into the season with MLS? I think the first way they dealt with all the competitions is to go out and get Breck Shea, Florentine Pogba, two veteran guys who can come in and do a job for you because you're going to need it. Um, if you have a situation like Toronto last year where – you don't have a center back play more than 22 games because of all the injuries. Just unlucky, really. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you get into that situation where you're playing in a CONCACAF Champions League final, your defensive midfielder is a center back and your right back is a center back. You're in trouble, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that you took that to penalties and almost won the thing is amazing. It all fell apart after that because guys never got healthy. Mm hmm if you stay somewhat healthy, you have the depth to be able to compete. Um, I think you're you're all guns blazing on CONCACAF Champions League. It's over at the beginning of May if you get to the final. Mm -hmm. So Supporter Shield is going to be incredibly difficult because I think you're going to sacrifice mm -hmm. some league matches where you give a John Gallagher a game, you give a Dion Pereira a game, mm -hmm. maybe a Chris Goslin gets a game. You're going to see some rotation in there because you're going to have to. You're going to take but the lumps, yeah. You're going to take those lumps. Yeah. But then mid-season, you start to ramp back up. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at kind of the way Dominic Kinnear used to do with the Houston Dynamo. Mm -hmm. You're looking at what Seattle's done in recent years where it's all about gathering steam through the summer mm -hmm. and into the fall where you're playing your best soccer again. Right. You have that break in June of about 23 days where it's almost like a second preseason for you. Mm -hmm. So look at the season in two halves. You want to get, you want to win a trophy in CONCACAF. You want to get as many points as you can along the way in league play. Mm -hmm get to that June break, take your break, give guys rest as they need it, also work for the second half, get ready for that, and then you want to be the best team from June 23rd to the end of the season. Right. Yeah, I mean, we saw like teams like DC United and Portland Timbers do that, mm -hmm. essentially, yeah, split into halves, really. Um, yeah, so in terms of uh, outlook for us, I mean, do you have any expectations of, uh, like, is it... You know, we, we have to win CCL, we have to win at least one trophy. Like, what's uh, what's your mindset? I don't think there's a trophy or bust mentality. I think the team wants to win as many trophies as they can. Yeah. I don't think there's any limitation to what they're, they want to accomplish this year. But if you tell me that at the end of the season, you're in a CONCACAF Champions League final, you're in MLS Cup semis, mm -hmm. and you're a top three team in the East... That's a pretty good year, mm -hmm. and I think if you play the soccer that we're trying to play, mm -hmm. I think people will be pretty happy. Yeah. Um, it, it is a bit of an education, I think, because this yeah. is a difficult year. It's a more difficult year than the, the team has ever had with CONCACAF. Absolutely. So, more I think people will definitely yeah. need to understand and have a bit of patience at the beginning of the season if there mm -hmm. are a few drop results in the league, and why are we losing these games, and it's just 
keeping that patience and understanding that the beginning of the season is going to be difficult, even for a team like Atlanta United, who have these talented players, mm -hmm. it's going to be tough. I mean, I think a lot of people have to understand how Champions League might work, you know, if you watch on TV with, you know, say in Europe, they've already been playing for four or five months and, yeah. you know, they have bigger squads that can rotate, which mm -hmm. makes it easier. This happens right off the bat. I mean, your first game is Champions yeah. League, away to the Costa Rican champions. Yeah. A little difficult. Um, <laughs> luckily, you're facing a Herediano team that has lost three of its best players mm -hmm. <laughs> because they're not Saprisa or Alawalense in Costa Rica. They're probably the third or fourth team out of your your 12 team first division, mm -hmm. just in overall stature. So they had an unbelievable year last year. They have to sell to balance the books, and they did. Alan Cruz is in Cincinnati. Guys in Bolivia. Guys in Chile. Mm -hmm. So they've struggled. They're ninth out of 12 right now. Um, I watched their match over the weekend, and it, it wasn't that great because they're struggling to find goals. Yeah. They've, they've only scored seven goals in seven games. They lead the league in yellow cards right now. Um, mm. They're they're a bit of a mess, so and they're an older team. Going into that, how, going I, into I this time, you feel better yeah. than you do than when the draw was made yeah. originally. Yeah, I do. So you think you know you feel confident that Atlanta United, even though they're playing that second leg at Kennesaw, not in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that. <laughs> They'll be putting themselves in a good position to advance. To I think next so. Round. I mean, I think you're, you're playing a team that is struggling for confidence right now. You're, you're playing a bit of a wounded animal, though. You're playing a veteran team. Yeah. So they're basically the game in Herediano is the biggest game they will have until next August. Yeah. Because they're not probably not going to make the playoffs in Costa Rica this season. They do a split season like Mexico. Mm -hmm. Top four make the playoffs. I, I doubt they're going to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. This is their season. Yeah. So they're up for it. They're up for it. Yeah. They're going to be up for it. Mm -hmm. They're going to be a very feisty team. I just don't know if they can score enough goals to deal with an Atlanta United team. So if you go down there and you get a draw, if you get a win, you're in great shape for the second leg. You just have to, to manage... The 180 minutes rather than two separate games it's 180 minutes mm -hmm. and the first 90s on the road you want to come out of there in a good spot you can't win it down there but you can definitely lose it right definitely uh so i mean in terms of this fixture congestion in terms of the roster uh kind of and how it shapes out a big question mark right now is uh, darlington nagby who would presumably if he didn't have any of these uh rumors swirling over his head uh, probably be a big part of the team, um, but you know, if he doesn't go to a Columbus Crew, do you, uh, in terms of that, like, do you feel like he has an automatic starting role if he didn't leave? I don't know how many people do have an automatic starting role. Yeah. I don't even know if it's a, a question specifically about Nagby. It's yeah. out in this team, and it was an article that Bobby Warshaw did at MLS Soccer about the most irreplaceable player, and he went with Parkhurst. We talked about it on Soccer Down Here mm -hmm. this morning. I went with LGP. John went with Brad Kazan. Um, other people went with Joseph. So <laughs> all good shouts. You could go in a bunch of different directions yeah. in how you define it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think Joseph is an automatic. Yeah. I, uh, Brad, goalkeeper, you kind of remove that. But I think he's an automatic. I think LGP is an automatic. PD. Yeah, yeah, he's an automatic. Um, if he's if he's fit, he's an automatic. Yeah. So yeah. beyond that, True. you've got competition because mm -hmm. you could play Barco, you could play Vialba up top in the as the additional third. You could play Lorenowitz or Remedi as the six. Mm -hmm. You could play Pogba as a center back. You could play Robinson as a center back. You could play Escobar as a center back. Right back, you have Gressel, you have Escobar, you have mm -hmm. uh, Gallagher, potentially Pereira. Mm -hmm. You have Aceidu who could fight for time in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of different looks that you can throw, and I think you're going to see a lot of different looks. So with all of those players, 
do you think that there's going to be one player, if you could pick out one player in particular that maybe, obviously, you know, we couldn't go with like, Joseph, we know that, but is there a player that you think really might surprise a lot of people with their contributions this season? That's a good one. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to say Barco, but I think for a lot of people yeah. it would be a surprise. I, I, think, I, right. I, feel, I, feel, I feel confident that within this system, because of his technical ability and how it fits yeah. into how DeBoer wants to play, I think this really could be the perfect move in terms of coaching right. for him right. to you know make that next step and be that next Almiron that makes that move. Yeah, I mean, be that, you know, Christian Erickson's a player who came to the fore under Frank DeBoer at Ajax. You know, I mean, a, a crafty player who can play out wide, who can play centrally, who can cut inside, who can distribute, who can score goals himself. Right. Barco didn't, you know, become one of the hottest young prospects in the world sure. of soccer by accident. You know, he, he wasn't the focal point of a team that won Copa Sudamericana mm -hmm. by accident. He didn't play badly last year either. When you really go back and look at the numbers mm -hmm. and you look at the chances the guys created, mm -hmm. he did not play badly. He had the off-the-field issues. It took him a little bit to adjust. It wasn't his team at Independiente. Everything went yeah. through him. Mm -hmm. Every time in the build-up, it was get it to Barco, let him do it. Right. Get it to him. Here, it wasn't going to be that. It was never going to be that. That's an adjustment for a young player. So a lot of I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and comments and everything suggest that if Nagby were to move on, that potentially you could see Ezekiel Barco play in a central midfield role. Do you think that's something that he is capable of due to his technical ability? Or do you think he will just be one of those players that has to play either as a 10 or on the wings? You lose a lot if you play him as an 8. I think you lose a lot of what makes him special. Um, he could do it because he's technical enough, but I wouldn't do it. Uh, I, there's no way I would play him as an 8 in the 3-4-3. Three, three. Yeah, yeah. If you're playing with two midfielders and a 10, mm -hmm. I'd play him as a 10 in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I, I think that... In the old school way of thinking about a 10 and a playmaker, I think that's what he is. So I, would you play him as a 10 and then PT coming off either the right or the left? Well, it depends. If you're going to play a 3-5-2, I would probably look at Joseph and PT up top, mm -hmm. and Barco is the 10 behind that. So it's very free. I mean, those two are going to be interchangeable. Moving wherever they yeah, want to it's, it's nominal. I mean, and that's the thing. I think we talk about formation a lot, and we talk about sixes it's and eights and tens. Yeah, yeah. It's a starting point, and even with this one, yeah. it's going to be like, don't worry about shape. Don't get caught up. And mm -hmm. he's a right side, he's a left side. He's just, mm -hmm. it, they're going to play. Right, it's, right, right. It's, they're, it's very they're Dutch. All going you go to where play. you're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very fluid. It, it's not, I wouldn't even know, I wouldn't even necessarily call it just Dutch. I mean, Watch Manchester City and watch mm -hmm. the interplay. It's the Dutch game, the Spanish game, Pep's way of thinking, which you know they went in into Germany as well and kind of infected teams in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Like it's it's a different way of looking at the game where it is all encompassing, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's what we're gonna see here. And it's something that it hasn't happened. Before. No, it's something that we should be excited about yeah, because if you're a kid growing up, like. You know, I was a kid and I looked at 4-4-2 teams and it was yeah. very rigid. If you were a right winger, you ran up and down the wing, you put in crosses and that was it. Mm -hmm. If you were a right back, you did, did the same, but you didn't get to the end line. This was before you had overlapping right backs on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, Too aggressive. <laughs> yeah, you, you played your position and that was it. Now, if you're a kid growing up and you're watching this team and you watch a guy like Barco drop deep into the midfield, pick the ball up, dribble. You watch him get in and stuck into a tackle. Mm -hmm. You watch a guy have to play every aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. That's that's exciting because our next generation is going to be so much better. So without being maybe potentially overly dramatic, what 
what do you see as the potential impact of Atlanta United playing the way that it's playing, making these changes to bring this new philosophy and this new style of play to the MLS, to America in a way that we haven't seen before. Do you, do you see that as a potential like knock-on effect for not just Atlanta, but as a league as a whole? Or is it just gonna be one of those things where, oh, it's Atlanta, they spend a lot of money, they can afford to do this, you know, or is it a, what, what Pep did, he came in, said, center backs are going out, we're playing out of the back, and now everyone's trying to play out of the back. I hope it's not, uh, well, Atlanta has all the money and they're, they're just good because they spent money. I, I hope that's not the mentality. I, I hope that American soccer starts to actually believe in itself at some point. Mm. That, that's what I would like to see because there's no reason why American teams can't play that way. Mm. I, I remember having conversations with club owners who said, we can't play like Barcelona. We don't have players like Barcelona. We can't play that way. You're not playing against Barcelona either, first off. Mm -hmm. And the way you play is your philosophy. Mm -hmm. You can train a team to play that way if you have the right coaching and you develop the right talent and you get everybody to buy in. It's, it's what Sarri's dealing with at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. he, he can't get guys to buy in. Mm -hmm. It's what DeBoer struggled with at Crystal Palace. He couldn't get guys to buy in. He didn't have the backing of the club. You have that here. Right. You have the talent because you are spending some money. But you also have the facilities, everything in place to develop. And I think, I hope that other clubs look at this and say, well, yeah, we can't go spend $15 million on Ezekiel Barco. We don't have that. But we can go spend five, six, seven on a player that could return 12, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. That model's been proven now. And we can go to South America where talent comes in and translates from South America to MLS pretty quickly, pretty comfortably. And you can start to look at things differently. And you can also start to look at your young American players differently. Mm -hmm and teach them to play in this way. Look at what George Bellow's gonna get to experience this year. Look at what Andrew Carlson's gonna get to experience this year. Look at the academy kids you're gonna play through, ATL, UTD2, what they're gonna get to experience this year. Mm -hmm. They're gonna get the opportunity to play in a way that probably no American team has played before. Yeah. Is that gonna, be gonna really happen, exciting. by the way? I think that's one of the big, I mean, I, we have to eventually wrap this up at some point. <laughs> right, we could talk to you forever. But, but, no, it's all good. I think, you know, yeah. you know, kind of speaking on that future, I think a lot of us, when, when DeBoer came in, we, we imagined that he would have a very large impact on our academy and our youth mm -hmm. development. Do you think he will have that impact of, we're going to start kind of, I think because a lot of ways the American academies don't function like your Ajax or right. your, you know, La Masia at Barcelona, where everyone's doing the same thing with this technical training from a young age, mm -hmm. because everyone knows the athletes and the athletic ability that resides in and around Atlanta and in mm -hmm. Georgia. Yeah. Do you see this as a way for these players to get a different footballing education in the academy coming up, learning the style, being able to do that, and then translate that to the first team and moving on? Because that's not something that we've really had in America before, where you're producing these footballers who have been trained this way to play in this style. Is that an effect that DeBoer will have on this team? Because I'm hoping that he can bring a little bit mm -hmm. of that to Atlanta, because I think that's very important for us going forward with MLS. I think it was already headed that way. I think you have a, an academy now, and something we've never had in Atlanta, mm -hmm. that is designed to produce professionals. Because it's a different way of thinking. If you're if you're an elite youth club and you're trying to produce college players, you're you're producing players in a different way. But if you're trying to produce professional players, you're you're it's building blocks. You know, early on it is a lot of tactic or a lot of technical, a lot of building blocks of how to play, how to change direction, both feet, that type of stuff. Then as you get older, you're you're talking tactics and you want to see players play in a bunch of different roles because 14-year-olds don't know where they're gonna play when they're 22. We, I mean, how many different positions have we talked about for a Julian Gressel? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like <laughs> he's a Swiss you know. Ar well German Army Knight, yeah, right. <laughs> of Atlanta United. 
Like he can play a bunch of different positions. We don't know what his if position is. If he put goalkeeper yeah. gloves on and kept a clean sheet, it would yeah. not shock me. He's got I don't know. LTP <laughs> might fight him for the that's, gloves. That's We've seen point, those yeah. videos. That's a good point. Um, that's safe only for today. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> it, it's gonna be fun to see because I think the biggest difference that you have now with DeBoer is he has been at a club as a player and then as an academy person and then as a manager that they're designed to develop talent, get it ready, get them playing, win things, and then sell them. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea. Can we do that here? I think the fan base handled the Miguel Almiron situation pretty well. Yeah, pretty glowingly where, yeah, most of uh, the Premier League fans were like, who are these fans? And like, <laughs> they're happy that yeah, guy like, left. What? No, we're not happy. We're, we're happy for him. Exactly. And we're happy that this model is working. It is the, working because yeah. it means so. that we're doing things right. It's, it, it's going to change MLS. Yeah. Because it does. You don't have to spend what Atlanta spent on Miguel to bring in a nice return. You right. can either spend less, like an Albert Ellis from mm -hmm. Honduras. You know, he's probably going to go for around ten million dollars. Yeah. They spend about three. It's a great return. Mm -hmm. Or you can do what Dallas does and put $3 million into an academy that is working with 120, 150 kids. And if you sell three, four, five of them yeah. for three, four, five million dollars, it pays for itself. That's a great return. You can do it on a bunch of different scales. You don't have to spend what Atlanta's spending to be right. successful and have this model. Right. All right. So yeah. before, before, as we're wrapping up, all right, December 2019, okay. how many or has Atlanta won a trophy? Yeah, I think there's a trophy this year. Um, which one? I don't Up know. For debate, but trophy. Yeah, I think there's a trophy. Um, just the way it lays out, because you have CONCACAF, and you're going to go everything at CONCACAF. Okay, if you win that, you're still going to go for more, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit different conversation at that point because you have a Club World Cup to think about at the end of the year. Which is insane to think about. Yes. Um, then you have the Open Cup, which if you have a bad CONCACAF run, you might go a little harder at the Open Cup. It's going to start in that break that we talked about where you might be able to do some things and, and mix the squad a little bit more. So, okay, I think you could see that happen. Supporter Shield, I think, is the most difficult one. Mm -hmm. Just because of the distraction early in the season with CONCACAF. Mm -hmm. But MLS Cup, this is a team that will have went through last year's playoff run CONCACAF and being the the team everybody's looking at all season long. Right. So that pressure of the MLS Cup playoffs and one-off matches, they'll be okay for that. Doesn't mean they're going to win it, but it won't be too big for them. Right. So I think they win something. Campione's Cup is a different thing. I don't yeah, even know. Exactly. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot. It'll be I mean, great if we match. win it, it counts. But yeah. if not, eh. That, that trophy, like I would not count as. Yes, yeah. it would be like that. It's a cool thing, community but shield. that doesn't community do it. Shield. Exactly. Hey, right. Jose Mourinho counts the community shield. Yo, they did. Yeah, for the treble. <laughs> respect, yeah, respect. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, for, for real, last question this time. Uh, <laughs> nice. It's just because um, I think, you know, if we don't go and win Supporter Shield, who does? Because yes, the, the East has kind of really weakened a lot, uh, and then you have you know like DC United looking pretty good. They kept Lucho Acosta, that's pretty important. But whether he's actually motivated to play for them, that's uh, you know it's up for debate. Right. The West is interesting always, but uh, yeah, I mean. Who do, you, who do you feel like wins the Spurs Shield? I, I, it's a little early because we're still seeing teams like try to add yeah, pieces. I mean, exactly. Toronto's in a huge uh, fight with Genk in Belgium about they've met the transfer clause. The club doesn't want to release him. The player's like, hey, I had an agreement. I want to go. It's a mess. 
So the East right now, I feel like it's Atlanta, it's Red Bulls. How do they replace Tyler Adams? Yes. That's my biggest question with them. DC, they have 23 players right now. Um, that's a pretty thin squad. Yes. Uh, I think they're the next most talented though. Yes. Beyond that, Columbus, Philly with Marco Fabian. Mm-hmm. Um, NYC is, a, is an interesting one. I think they're going to play a lot of false nine right now because they mm-hmm. literally don't have a striker on the roster. Yes. Um, but the uh, the Romanian player is is definitely intriguing. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see how it works. Delme Tarant, you know, a Pep Guardiola guy. Like, I want to see what he can do with this group. Mm-hmm. With the full season. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cincinnati, I don't think is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be competitive. Mm-hmm. So if you had to pick one team as the last one to finish and, this off. Yeah, with the, the roster one, as it is the one right team, now. The one team to either win Supporter Shield. For Supporter Shield. Or will yes. be the biggest competition for Atlanta United this season. It could be two different things. For Supporter Shield... If it's not Atlanta, it's Kansas City. Okay. I, I think they're the most complete team. Even trading Icopara, I think they're the most complete team out there. Competition for the Cup, New York Red Bulls, D.C., Kansas City, Portland, I think. Although, I do have some questions about them. Um, yeah. Claude Dielna replacing Liam Ridgewell is odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Houston, if they stay healthy. I, I really yeah. like the Dynamo, and if Cabeza stays healthy as their six, yeah. I think they could be a bit of a surprise. I mean, they were Western Conference finalists yeah. two years ago. Yeah, they just have to work on winning on the road, which is yeah, yeah. it's been. Well, their it issue. doesn't matter because we're going to win the treble or whatever it's called. We win everything, so <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, definitely. But uh, really, we thank you so much for hopping on the show with us. Yeah, uh, yeah and. You know, you have a lot of things going on, but let the good people out there know what you have going on in your world. And uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez, um, the, the, the cliff notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, soccer down here, nine to eleven every morning. Uh, we have an app; it's an easy way to listen. So check that out. It's also on soccerdownhere.net and on the Spreaker platform. Uh, stoppage time is Wednesdays at two o'clock um, over on Facebook.com/slash ninety two nine The Game. Uh, we'll have all of our 92.9 The Game podcast coming back with um, This Week in MLS, with a March to Match Day preview. Hopefully that's going to have some interaction with the opposing either radio crew or TV crew or a beat writer to get a little bit of that perspective. Um, probably 50 other things, but yeah. that's what I thought of just off the top of my head. Right. We'll try to link as much as we can in the <laughs> video description at box long below. Shoe, just, uh, yeah, that's exactly. where I'm at. You'll, you'll find all that stuff. But, yeah. Again, thank you so much. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. And thanks so much to our guest, Jason Longshore, for coming on the program. I mean, just a legend. What a guy. His his brain for soccer is like Wikipedia, but just in his head. And yeah. it, what a guy. I mean, genuinely, if you don't listen to all the content that this man does, he is just just a well of information that just constantly comes at you. It, he's just an incredible guy. We could have sat here and talked for hours about We probably could have. There were multiple <laughs> times we were just like, we need to stop because otherwise this is going to be a two-hour special of nothing with Jason Longshore. Yeah. Which we but, could do. So if you fun. want it, we'll do it. Yeah, you let us know in the comments below. But uh, coming up now is the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from J.D. Hafner, 3950. If PT does better than Almiron, do you think he will stay like Joseph or leave like Mig? Oh, he's leaving. If he does really well, he wants to move to Europe. He's made that very clear. I think if he honestly... advanced in age. Yeah, if he comes in and absolutely kills it with Atlanta United this season, has an incredible season scoring goals, assists, and Atlanta United wins trophies, he might be a one-season guy. 
Um, if he is, I'm not going to be upset with that because that means he came in, killed it, and we're getting a lot of money for him. So we'll see. But if he gets that opportunity, I fully expect him to leave. Right. If uh, I would be upset at this, though. If we win Champions League and... Like Devin's saying, he leaves at summer. I mean, I I, I don't, I don't see the club letting that happen. Yeah, I just I just don't see the club letting that happen. To be yeah. perfectly honest, you don't invest that amount of money unless some team comes in and offers you something absolutely ridiculous. Right. Like we're talking over thirty million. We're talking yeah. more than what Miggy, well, more than what we got from Miggy. And I mean thirty million up front. I don't see it happening. I mean, he's yeah. worth that. I think if he comes in and does some incredibly spec, you know, spectacular stuff, mm -hmm. but. It would have to be an offer, you know, to take the Godfather. Too good to, you know, too good, you know, too good to refuse. Yeah, yeah, too good to refuse in order for us to let him go in the summer. Yeah. Next question comes from Connor Chung one four three. Who will be the unknown star of this season? I don't know. Depends on what you say. Unknown. Yeah, I mean, I'm... unknown kind of means coming from nothing. I think. Who's going to surprise you? We've kind of touched on this before. I think yeah. Ezekiel Barco is a player who I expect big things from this season. In terms of unknown... I think a Kendall Edwards, maybe. Yeah, or uh, the, Gallagher, maybe, at right back, maybe, sure, some I mean, point time. Yeah, I mean, I guess relatively unknown there. Uh, but I think, yeah, who might star a little bit? Because, I mean, yeah, center backs, uh, we're going to need a lot of them. Even on a Dion Pereira, maybe, might be a bit unknown, because you just don't sure. know a lot about him. So yeah. those, those could be some names to look out for, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Next question comes from Panhead Aaron. What a name. Uh, Joseph has six goals in preseason as of right now. Do you think he will break his record in regular season? I'm going to say no, only because he will not play as many minutes at the beginning of the season because of Champions League, assuming Atlanta United can continue to progress in that competition. Um, the first month of the season, as we talked about with Jason Longshore, will have a lot of matches. He will have to be rotated. Otherwise, he will be absolutely knackered come the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So because of those other competitions, I don't think he will get as many, but he will still score and score a lot, and I still think he might win Golden Boot. But to score 35 and 31 in the regular season is a lot, not to mention in the postseason now, obviously, it's one-game knockouts. So... Yeah. You know, it will really depend on how far Atlanta go in those things. Mm -hmm. I don't think he will, but I still think he's going to score a lot of goals this yeah. season. I mean, there will be a lot to go around, but I think PT kind of takes a little bit of the goals that he might have scored. Which isn't a just, problem, and I'm yeah. fine with that because the goals yeah. are getting spread around. So I think this team, again, will score a lot of goals, maybe score more goals as a team, but I don't think he'll score 35 goals like he did last season. Yeah. Next question comes from Bruno Kubas. Es para el negativo, cuán lejos el cree que creo que uh, ayu va a llegar en la CCL. He doesn't I, speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, and I really apologize for butchering all of that. But uh, um, I think the gist of that, what I got from Google Translate, was that uh, you know, do we think that Atlanta United will go far in the CCL? I think it's I tough. Think so. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think. Herediano is, you can never take any opponent for granted. This will be their year, basically, is this matchup with Atlanta United. This game at home will be their biggest game, like we talked about with Jason Longshore, that they have. So they're going to put everything they can. They're not playing great right now, and Atlanta United should be able to take care of business over 180 minutes against this side. The problem is, is that when you do, the team you see in the next round happens to be the best team in Mexico right now, in Monterrey. So that is your problem. If you get to Monterrey and you get past Monterrey, you can win the whole damn thing. Yeah, it's, it's a just, brighter road. That's, yeah. that's going to be the issue. That's going to be the test. That's going to be the real measuring stick as to where this club is. Again, assuming that they can get past Herediano, which is still not going to be a simple, straightforward task. Right. Next question comes from Jair43742. 
Do you think we have a squad good enough that could go unbeaten the whole season? <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that's that, not gonna happen. Yeah, with uh, I mean, with the rotated squad, with just any sort of lumps that we'll take, I, I think. I mean, we didn't go perfect last year, and we had a very good year, yeah. I think, as well. You have to look at just, how much yeah. it takes and what it takes to go unbeaten. Even when you have incredible sides in in Europe, it does not happen very often. I mean, is the last side to go unbeaten Arsenal in two thousand four? No, 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 no. Celtic. Uh, I think. Okay, Celtic doesn't count. Yeah, well, you know, but it, I mean, it when, does, when but. they did, it was them and Rangers weren't even a part of it. It was them and yeah. they won the league by like February. So right. I give them credit. They did really, really well. But at that point in time, they were the only team in Scotland. Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to take credit away from them. But also, <laughs> it's not like it's not an Arsenal where every or, you know, where you're it doing was, it in the Premier League. It was league. a tougher league. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Or, yeah. or in MLS, we have a lot more parity. Celtic yeah. are objectively the best club mm -hmm. in Scotland. They are the most successful club next to Rangers and Rangers were still not even in the first division. Yeah. So yeah. That's like yeah. you know having Barcelona going beaten in Real Madrid, not even being in La Liga. So. Right. I mean, if uh, if we did, I mean, to have two uh, under what I, I root for to have gone invincible for an entire That'd season, be incredible. I would love that. We're probably going to lose a DC <laughs> just because a it means we win, we win MLS Cup, and b because it's the second game of the season, and there's going to be rotation because of the Herediano match. Yeah. So. True. True. Alright, next question comes from Carson ATL Hawks 26. With CCL starting next week, what do you guys think is the key to us winning? Ooh, uh, I think staying healthy is important. Being able to get that rotation right and having your best players available. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, it's, it might not already be the, with the, Darlington Neck. Yeah, the not thing part of the squad. Who knows? With, with how Champions League stuff like this works, a lot of it also comes down to luck because in these two legs, if you have a decision. We need to do that again. What? Camera just lost focus. It's fine. It totally pulled out and went back in. Like, it, it was blurry. Okay, fine. Right. I'm just saying, like, I've never seen it do that, and it was blurry it, for, like, it does five seconds. Sorry. All right. All right. Go just, for it. Do the question again. No, no, no. It's fine. Uh, okay. Um, in three, two, one. It's going to be really difficult to really pinpoint anything. I think staying healthy and being able to get your rotation right is important. But with knockout competitions over two legs, a lot of it can come down to luck sometimes. Mm -hmm. What kind of official you have if someone gets sent off, because obviously you can have guys pick up bands a lot quicker in competitions like this. And this one is, since it's a tournament, you don't really have the, the luck of the draw necessarily. Yeah. But you still have to have some things bounce your way in these competitions right. to come out and be successful. Yeah, I think the key to us winning is to manage these games as a two-legged tie very well, as we've shown that we've been able to do in MLS playoffs. Um, and so hopefully Frank DeBoer kind of continues that uh, kind of mindset. And uh, yeah, where we don't kind of stretch for a third goal if we don't need it type of thing where if we're already 2-1 up maybe we don't go for that third yeah, goal yeah just being smart and like you yeah. said managing the match managing it you know because one game is only half time so you have to yeah. be smart about how you do that but right. again I think I have faith that we can do it yeah uh, next question comes from Joe's Braun with DeBoer's connections could you see us bringing in older Dutch players i.e. Robin no and I don't want him exactly it's, it's one of those things where uh, that goes completely against what we're trying to do anyway. I think, yeah, if you see some small pieces, like a Florentine Pagua, then sure, that's that makes sense. But in terms of big money players, which Robin would be a big money player. He would we be have a, a great left foot, and it's on Pity Martinez, exactly. we don't need Robin, so yeah. it's fine. He's a great player, but he's also like 97 years old. <laughs> but uh, last question comes from Reed Williams 17 Who would replace Nagby? Uh, I'm honestly not 100% certain on that. 
Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how this team plays, but they've been playing well so far without him playing at all. Um, it might be someone they, you know, pull a replacement out in the summer window, as you saw with, you know, Rometty coming in. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, it'll be very interesting with how this team is going to set up, you know, in the 3-4-3 in the three, three, as they're playing right now. You only need those two central midfielders, and you've got some pretty good ones there. So right. I don't know if I could point to one person to pick up the slack there. Right. I think that's difficult. But, I mean, I think right now Rometty and Lorenowitz are both very talented and capable mm -hmm. of playing whatever role they need to play. Right. It, it won't be the same, obviously, and it might have to take where like an Ezekiel Bargo comes in in a very attacking type of 3-4-3 where maybe it's a very weak side then maybe he can but uh in terms of yeah we have a lot of depth in central midfield we have you know on top of Remedi and Lorenowitz we have Gressel who can also play there we have a Kevin Kratz we have players that Asiedu. yeah and Asiedu that could uh come up and as well it's yeah I mean it's uh, it's a lot of depth there and uh, I think uh, it'll be okay but uh, that gets us to our question of the day. Yeah, guys, and we've talked a lot about Darlington Nagby, and with that still up in the air, although I think we kind of have an idea of which way it's going to go, our question to you is, should Atlanta United trade Darlington Nagby? Hit us up in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. And guys, that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating so we pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.